What's up, y'all? Just here on a little Wednesday. I think I'm going to start a little <clears throat> new segment called Worker Wednesday. Do a little worker news, worker first propaganda. <clears throat> um, so this one obviously uh, has been been thinking about it for a little bit. So I have a lot of backed up stories. Um, some of them that I haven't got to. Some of them that we'll probably discuss more um, at length on the podcast, which we should be recording. Uh, the normal pod tomorrow, but I figure I'd do this one on here, see what's happening, try it out, um, and see what what goes on. Um, yeah, so uh, we, like I said, will probably do a full episode tomorrow, but I figured I'd hit it with a few... Hot updates, real quick. First things first, um, this is uh, not exactly um, on here, uh, not exactly a Workers' Wednesday type thing, um, but I think it had to be said. It's such big news, um, <clears throat> and uh, this is, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely talk about this tomorrow, Ari and I will, uh, more at length, but uh, the Stan, Stan News... Um, which was pro-democracy, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, they, they covered a lot of, um, certainly much more pro-democracy than a lot of, like, you know, South China Morning Post and stuff in Hong Kong. Um, has basically been shut down. They raided it. Um, and uh, the police, the Hong Kong police force did and arrested a number of people. Um, this article says six um, but I haven't seen a lot of stuff on Twitter, so we'll, like, it'll be probably better to talk about tomorrow as more of the news comes out, but, you know, just heartbreaking stuff. Um, one of the few, uh, still remaining, like, independent voices in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, Denise Ho was arrested, and, yeah, so, uh, it's, yeah, like I said, it's heartbreaking, and, not su supremely surprising, um, but, you know, this is what happens when China uh, takes over your country, um, which is why so many people are afraid of it, um, is because uh, while they might bring prosperity for the business class, uh, for the average everyday people, they bring authoritarianism, uh, you know, a, a lack of uh, freedom of speech and uh, freedom of the press, obviously, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, a shutdown of any dissent. So I guess in, in that sort of way, it is uh, talking about workers because uh, this is obviously not good for the average people. Um but it might be for the for the uh, ruling class elites if they stay in the good graces of uh, the Chinese Communist Party. <clears throat> so yeah, it's um, it's bad. Um, speaking of, let's talk a little COVID. 
uh, and this hopefully rolling into what's happening uh, with what's going on kind of in the labor movement in the United States, um, also in Taiwan and a little bit um, also in China. So we have here, uh, as you can see, Dr. Fauci saying that the CDC reducing COVID isolation time guidelines will, quote, get people back to jobs, end quote. <clears throat> so uh, if you're online at all, you probably have seen people talking about this. It's um, it's gross. So we have mentioned this, the beginnings of this on the pod, and we'll also talk about it more tomorrow. Um, definitely go check out our last pod, um, which, sorry, I'm not actually trying to open this yet. I'm trying to combine it with this so I can make this slightly smaller. Um, but we did talk about it on this pod. Oh, this is way back. Hold on. I'll show you the most recent pod. Oh, Ari posted a bunch of stuff. Well, that's why. That's why it threw me off. Um, <clears throat> this pod, the Free Channel pod, Inside China, There Are Two Wolves. Uh, that one, we, we mentioned it a little bit. Um, but basically, they reduced the quarantine uh, for those who have been infected. From 10 days in the U.S., which is already not enough, to at least five days. Um, so it's saying, uh, the article says, The new guidance indicates that a person with COVID-19 should go into isolation for five days, instead of the previous recommended 10. After five days, if a person does not have symptoms, they can return to normal activities while wearing a mask. As if, one, there's any sort of enforcement on mask wearing, uh, in most places, there is some, in some. Uh, Biden just, by the way, said that states should take over. And it's a, it's up to the states, not, not up to the federal government. It's very, um, uh, you know, uh, very conservative of him. States' rights. Um, some might say it's a little bit of a, you know, might get her a little rebel yell out of old Biden, uh, if he can still yell at all. But anyway, um, if a person does not have symptoms again, they can return, uh, including at home with others. So no big deal. Uh, it says people should still continue to isolate themselves while they experience symptoms and can begin their five days of masking when they no longer have symptoms. Um, <clears throat> this is insane. Um, there's, there's no requirement of testing because they, <clears throat> I mean, you, we, I talked about earlier about, uh, Jin Saki, who is the propaganda minister, excuse me, the, uh, uh, press secretary, <clears throat> um, for, uh, the Biden campaign. And that's not a hit on Saki specifically. That's against that office, which is it, it is a propaganda minister. Um, <clears throat> it is under every president. It was under Trump. Obviously, we saw that with uh, Spicer and uh, all the other. Uh, s uh, what's the what's the appropriate word I can use that won't get me in trouble? Uh, sycophants, maybe we might say, uh, doing that. 
So that's that's unfortunate. Hey, Frank, what's going on, buddy? Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, it's 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 not surprising in the slightest um, that they would be uh, saying things like this. But Saki basically said, "Oh well, a reporter had asked her, <clears throat> uh, well, why don't we just send a test to everyone in the United States?'" Now, I don't. That's not the plan I would go with. I would uh, basically. Uh, use the Defense Production Act to ramp up the supply of testing, and also masks, for that matter, and I would make sure that everyone's wearing a mask when they go outside, Um, and I would make sure that there are tests for anyone that wants them. So if we have a thing called the United States Post Office, I don't know if any Americans are aware of this, but you could basically get tests to people within a day. So say you think you have... This, this, uh, you might have COVID. Yeah, you call in, you say, listen, I got symptoms, um, and uh, I need a test. And then they can send it to you, uh, and you should be able to not go into work until you get that test and find out if it's positive or negative, at least, at the very least. I mean, it's not, we obviously we should go beyond that, make sure we have uh, national health care where we can go in and get tested for free. Um, and also, the, the require uh, requesting a test should be free. Um, so she laughed in the face of this reporter and said, uh, "Do you know how much that would cost? And what would we do after that?" And now they're kind of talking about it, but obviously it's way too late. Um, and they came out and said that they weren't prepared for Omicron. Uh, I believe Kamala Harris said that. <clears throat> well, that's very confidence building <laughs> when they go, "We were blindsided." Uh, by Omicron. Oh, you were blindsided um, by the fact that we had an, another variant uh, after the, you know, it, almost double digits that we've had so far. Uh, and with uh, parts of the world being like single digit vaxxed uh, and not doing anything to uh, quarantine. Uh, <laughs> wow, you were blindsided. Okay. Oh, sick. <laughs> um... So, yeah, so they changed this, and uh, Mr. Science himself, Anthony Fauci, here's his quote. The reason that with this sheer volume of number of cases that we are having and that we have expected to continue with Omicron, one of the things that we want to be careful with, uh, careful of is that we don't have too many people out. Uh, we don't have so many people out. So many people out of what? So many people out. Well, if you're not making sure people quarantine and wear masks, they're going to get sick. Like, this is the thing. You can get vaccinated, and I think that's good. Um, I'm a defender of the vaccines. Uh, I think that there's very solid evidence that they keep you out of the hospital, and they definitely keep you from dying um, in most cases. Um, but they don't keep you from passing it on, especially, it seems, with the latest variant. So if you're not going to do anything like make sure people mask because the Biden administration and Fauci were like, you get vaxxed, get that second dose, take your mask off, let your freak flag fly. Now they're like, well, if you get your third vax, you get your booster shot, eh, take your mask off again, Uh, even though they didn't really tell people to mask again. Um, Then, yeah, people are going to pass it on. It doesn't matter if you're vaxxed. You're going to pass this stuff on. Um. So, so many people out. Oh, he means 
uh, not being wage slaves. He means out of wage slavery. We can't have that. Okay, so he told Jim Acosta this. He says, quote, I mean, obviously, if you have symptoms, you should be out, be out. But if you have... But if you are asymptomatic and you are infected, we want people to get back to jobs. So if you are asymptomatic, if you're asymptomatic, it doesn't mean you can't spread it. It just means you don't have symptoms. You could give it to someone's grandma, you could give it to someone's kid and kill them. But you should go back to your job. Particularly if you are an essential job to keep our society running smooth, like a nurse. So if you're a nurse or doctor or if you're, because also we consider apparently in the United States um, fast food workers. So if you're handling people's food, get back to running society smoothly. Wow. Wow. Okay, um, he continues on saying, I think that uh, I think that was a very, he's talking about the CDC's decision. I think that was a very prudent and good choice on the part of the CDC, which we spent a considerable amount of time discussing, namely getting people back in half the time that they would have to be out so they can get back to the workplace doing things that are important to keep society running smoothly. This is monster stuff, guys. Like, this is insane. Yeah, you might kill grandma, but like, we got to keep the machine running, right? Cog's got to stay in the machine. I, this this should all be. I mean, America is on a path for suicide. I mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what else to say. I don't have words for this. This is capitalism. This is your brain on capitalism, folks. <clears throat> Even the NBA <laughs> has, they still have a six day quarantine. This is the only reason I have this up. The NBA has a quarantine time of six days. More than, there's one day more than the United States as a whole. Wow. Okay, so this is why we need things like the PRO Act, folks. This is, this, this is where we're, we're going to get into it. So, this is talking about the labor shortage. Okay, um, this is a big thing. This is why Fauci wants us to get back to work um, because of the quote-unquote labor shortage, which is basically just, well, part of it is that probably, statistically, we can say uh, 800,000 Americans died or so. Um, I would say, looking at the data, it's likely that well over a million Americans have died from COVID. Um, that hurts the labor market. A lot of people that have passed away have been older people, but not all. Um, people are sick all the time because now we're just sending people who are probably still sick back to work. Um, so that might be a problem. But anyway, so they're like, uh, this is a pretty old article. Um, but yeah, like this is talking about how even from months ago, this is in May, I think. Yeah, this is the end of May. Um, Republican governors, a lot of them, uh, were denying COVID relief payouts um, because and, and benefits because they didn't want, this is unemployment benefits, they didn't want people to sit out and sit on the government dole 
because these whisper liberals are always sitting out on the government dole just digging $300 as if that's enough to pay in their rent in any place in the United States. Um, $300 a month is like not enough money to live out of a tent in most cities. So let alone, it's a, as a single person, let alone if you're trying to support a family. So this is nonsense, folks. Um, the reason that this is happening, the reason that we have a labor shortage, quote-unquote, in America, is, again, like I said, because people are dying, people are sick, people don't want to kill their family members. Um, like, I have family members that would probably be working, but they have uh, uh, immunocompromised uh, children. They can't work. Like, if, if, if you're flipping the coin between, like, yeah, I'm going to try to make it on the, the slim, slim benefits I can get and, like, one person working and basically quarantining themselves all the time and one person staying at home with a child or two people trying to work and um, potentially killing my child. I mean, that shouldn't be a difficult choice. Um, but what, what should be an, e an easier choice is in one of the most opulently wealthy countries in the, in the world is just a making sure that people can either work from home or that we deal with... Well, I mean, we should have dealt with the spread initially by just locking down the borders, sending everyone home for two weeks, paying them to stay home, and then mandating masking and giving people so many tests that they could get them anywhere for free and it would not be a problem. And if anyone was sick, they could stay home and you give them a little money to stay home and then they come back to work after a very short time because most, most people don't take that long to recover. However, some people do, and we should take care of them because that's what good a good Christian nation would do, <laughs> which is laughable in and of itself. But anyway, there's labor shortage. Um, part of it is also because people have gotten fed up, and that's what we're also going to talk about here is that <clears throat> this is schools. So schools have been absolutely in the middle of all these firing points, a lot of it because of the news, if you that's all you watch, uh, mainstream, lamestream television news is because of CRT. The CRT's taking over our, our damn schools. They're teaching them about how, you know, these minorities are people. Minorities are people? No. The South, that's heritage. It's, um... Yeah. It's, it's fun, folks. Um, that this is what's in the middle. It, meanwhile, they're not teaching critical race theory at any school uh, that you can have a school board at. Um, they're teaching at it uh, like law schools, okay? Um, and I would argue that depending on what you mean by critical race theory, should probably be taught from the age of when you start learning about history. As a history educator myself, um, I think you should teach about how systemic racism is a thing. I'm not saying that you should teach that every child, every white person is a racist, uh, because that's not what CRT is. But then again, if your uh, racist uncle says, and I shouldn't keep giving them uh, Southern accents, because it's not all Southern people, and a lot of Southern people are really smart uh, when it comes to history, so that's that's unfair. But maybe if, if, you're, if your uncle's like, they're teaching my fucking kids all this fucking CRT, okay? Uh, my name's uh, uh, Maki Mark, and they're teaching them CRT in the schools. It's ridiculous. Then you can say, 
uh, Uncle Mark, uh, what is CRT? And he'd be like, well, I don't, I don't rightly know, but I left my, I left my book on CRT in the fucking car. Ah, and then maybe you can have a discussion with him about it and explain that it's not that bad and that really we just want everyone to understand history and that's a real important part. And then you can get them real super blackpilled on the problems uh, with workers in this country. So this this article, I'm going to try to stop going off on tangents all the time, um, is about uh, a school in Massachusetts um, where basically they were chronically understaffed, uh, even bathrooms were basically closed down, and so people were having uh, problems, these students were having problems at the school. Kids were lashing out in different ways, which is what kids do because they're not fully formed adults, um, their brains are still developing, and so sometimes they do dumb shit. I already cursed in this, so it's going to be a curse fest. I apologize, um, but it happened already. So we'll get we'll get uh, future demonetized on YouTube, but it is what it is. That's why we depend on your all's support. I'll talk about that at the end. Um, yeah, kid, I I've taught kids um, going on seven years, and and I've. Uh, been dealing with kids throughout my university, so add a couple years on that. Uh, when I was studying education, kids do dumb shit. I was a kid once. I mean, a lot of people might not remember when they were kids. You do a lot of dumb stuff, okay? You make bad decisions. You yell at people. You lash out when you shouldn't. You fight sometimes when you're, or, or you scream or you cry when you're looking for attention. And that's what these kids were doing. And unfortunately, also in America, it, that gets really dangerous, especially with this prison to uh, this uh, school to prison pipeline that has been developing, where they basically are sticking police officers in these schools and body slamming uh, middle schoolers through desks uh, when they scream at an officer, uh, and then basically criminalizing them, and then that's how we get you know, more uh, slave labor for our uh, uh, capitalist system that we have. So, uh, as it says here, the school began the year with 42 educators short. That's insane. Part of that is, all, like it says here, is because um, uh, teachers were leaving because burnout. This even before COVID, long before COVID, when I was in high school, uh, and, and probably even before, but this is before I was really paying attention to it, people were talking about teacher burnout. It's been a thing for a very, very long time because guess what? Worker burnout in general in America is pretty bad, but teacher burnout is really bad. Um, and there are, you know, there are other, but anyway, this is one I'm more familiar with. Um, it's really bad because teacher pay is terrible and the hours that you work are incredible and the stress that you deal with being a teacher, basically a a therapist for a lot of these kids, um, maybe the only person that actually cares about them at all, that's a big burden. All right. And so there's a lot of burnouts already. And now you're talking about throwing COVID on top of that, understaffing people. Um, and this is what you get. You get teachers quitting uh, because they're losing their minds. You get teachers that are exhausted and overwhelmed and can't deal with it. Uh, or you get people that are sick with COVID. Um, sometimes because people like Dr. Fauci say, well, you don't really need to wear a mask. Science. I miss the science. You don't need a mask. Just put the shot in your arm. 
we've seen that it doesn't work, but, and let me be, let me, I don't want people to misconstrue what I'm saying here. I'm not saying they don't work. I already said earlier that they prevent death and they prevent hospitalization. They do a pretty good job of that, actually. Um, The statistics bear that out. But we have breakthrough cases everywhere. Uh, So people should be wearing masks, (laughs) you know? And uh, maybe we should do, if we just do remote learning for like a month and sent everyone that could stay home from their jobs uh, home, uh, we could probably nip this thing in the bud. Anyway, well, not in the bud. We have a full fucking corpse flower on our hands right now. Uh, It's in full bloom. And unfortunately, the whole thing's about to rot away. Um, But yeah. And so, and, and now there's, you know, you have substitutes, uh, but you only have so many, uh, and it people aren't going to keep doing it. Uh, you can read through this whole thing, but this is this is common uh, in a lot. And 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 like it says here, they're still pushing through these standardized testing. So a bunch of kids sit in a room, do your standardized test, make sure you learned the learn the test. That's what we need to focus on. Uh, that's a whole nother thing that I could do a whole episode in and of itself is on um, these standardized tests. And I'm not totally against them. Ari and I have talked about this on the pod before. Sometimes it's the best way to measure um, how well you've uh, picked up some of these ideas. Um, but things like punishing teachers for that, um, also pigeonholing students because of it um, is ridiculous. And there should be a, a plethora of different paths for kids to go along. Uh, not just, well, did you get good math and science scores? Well, you didn't. Well, you're remedial now. And, uh, we're kind of just going to throw you in the dustbin of society. Um, yeah. So here's some more positive news. Try to bring it up a little bit, try to perk it up a little bit. Um, there was a strike by healthcare workers in Washington um, they were doing a safety strike basically because one of their staff members got attacked, uh, because again, like basically understaffed. Um, so under the settlement, it says management agreed, uh, to staff three security guards for the day shift, two for the nights, as well as to restore fired workers, which is great to their positions. And the contract, which covers 220 workers also includes 5% annual raises over a three year term plus $5,000 bonus. This is good, and it also establishes staff-to-patient ratios, very important, also just like student-to-teacher ratios that should be established in schools, and the union says uh, set a new national standard for behavioral health, okay? So like I said, there was an attack on staff, um, uh, patient attack staff, injured 11 people, okay? Um, And then basically they went on strike. Uh, they, and, and this is, this is another thing that we'll talk about more in detail, but so, uh, they basically, uh, the company, uh, quickly tried to, uh, uh, one, it obviously fired people, but also they basically tried to accuse them of going on a wildcat strike, uh, and said that they were, um, yeah, they were wildcat striking, which is, uh, pretty difficult um wait let me double check and make sure that this is the one that they were doing the wildcat strike on i don't want to tell you guys the wrong information yeah okay yeah so it is here okay so the it says that uh cascade which is the company quickly responded by charging the workers and the union service employee uh yeah service employees so the seiu 
Healthcare, 1199 Northwest, uh, with an illegal wildcat strike. This is, this is because the union hadn't been attended a notice. So this is something that we'll talk about this uh, in, a, in a few minutes as well, is that this is why we need to pass the PRO Act, because they make these nonsense rules up so they can basically catch you on a technicality and then just fire you and say, good luck. Um, but thankfully, they shut this thing down and, and they won their strike. That is some very positive news. Um, this is kind of a fun story. So nurses, this is not a fun story because of uh, what's happening to these nurses, but it is a fun story uh, because of uh, how they went about it. They went about it in a fun way that hopefully is getting some, some coverage. So University of Michigan nurses um, gathered a bunch of petitions saying that uh, basically they have these... Um, they also have issues with understaffing, um, but there were also um, these safety issues that they were worried about, and so they basically got a bunch of these these uh, these things signed, and then uh, left it as a present under the 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 head uh, chief of nurses, uh, chief nurse executive, who's named Nancy May, uh, under her tree. Okay, so <laughs> it says uh, they tape tape the signatures to the door which you can see here in the picture. Again, you should be watching this on YouTube. If you're not, you can read it in the articles. Uh, they'll be linked in the show notes. Um, and then they taped... Uh, they, 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 they had a, left the, um, these, these, this petition uh, basically wrapped up. Um, they had these assignment despite objection, excuse me, um, so the, basically they're, they have these issues, um, that they're running into and they, they tied it up in a bow and left it under her tree. So, um, I, we'll see if it, if it really gets, uh, in, in, any traction in some of these cases, but they certainly have been. And a lot of these people just need to walk out. But, uh, I showed this on a episode earlier is that, um, some nurses are quitting, but some nurses are basically too afraid. They're, they they don't want they, they they just like teachers. They care deeply about their their students and their patients, um, and so they don't want to walk out on them. Um, and also, there's a lot of societal pressure to say like, if you try to do anything for yourself, if you're basically not being a slave, then you you are the one uh, that's being you're being selfish. And it's like no no no. You need to take care of yourself so you can take care of these other people. And if you don't, uh, you won't do a very good job. I know if I don't take care of myself and get enough sleep um, and things like that, when I deal with students, um, I certainly don't do as good of a job. Um, if I don't, uh, you know, eat well and make sure that I am uh, not just like putting poison in my body, uh, like with, uh, you know, junk food and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes you're more irritable. Sometimes you're you're a little bit shorter if you only get two hours of sleep or what you know whatever it is, um, because you're stressed out over something. So uh, these people need to be able to take care of themselves first, and we need to make sure they have enough uh, other people to back them up. Um, this is another similar story. Um, uh, longshoremen being blamed for these delays. Um, as if this is not a global catastrophe um, that's going on with uh, these supply chains. So, of course, they're they're blaming. Uh, a lot of people are, are are kind of putting the scapegoat on these longshoremen. Um, 
where really it's obviously a number of factors. Um, China has basically shut down a lot of its uh, shipping or at least slowed it down. Um, we've seen the thing, and I've talked about it before on the podcast, of the issue with shipping containers because basically now because we're needing to ship masks and vaccines and all these other things that normally wouldn't be shipped out um, to a lot of extra countries that normally wouldn't be receiving this many shipments, um, the shipping containers are going there and then just being left. So then you have to pay more for shipping containers. People don't want to do that. So then we have issues with shipping and uh, there's not enough boats necessarily always. So they're going to different places. They're slower. And now there's obviously stuff with uh, them sitting outside uh, the bay in California, just a lot of boats just sitting there. Um, this also has to do with uh, truck drivers getting screwed, uh, you know, being backed up. Um, and truck drivers also need to be mentioned in this because a lot of truck drivers don't get paid unless they're working, unless they're driving, I should say. They're working, they're sitting in the cars, they're managing themselves through like these short areas of traffic uh, and trying to stay in line, but they're not being paid for all that. And, uh, Maybe I'll throw some some information about this, but you could also just uh, simply search it online. Is that uh, a lot of these truckers, because they're essentially indentured servants, a lot of them are making negative dollars every month because they will basically force them to lease these trucks uh, that they can't pay for, and then they drive them crazy hours, but the pay is not enough for them to actually pay off the, uh, the truck. So these people are living in their trucks, basically making no money, uh, buying all their like food and stuff on credit, um, and a lot of them are essentially going bankrupt because they, they just don't have any money uh, to survive on. It's uh, sickening. But this is uh, something that I hope does happen. Is um, In this article, uh, they talk about uh, what's happened in the past here, basically. Um, so there's this thing. Um, I don't see it in here. I'll find it in a second. But it's called the March uh, Inland. So basically what... Uh, has happened in the past uh, via the Longshoremen's Union is that um, because it's very hard to ho- like you know do this kind of on on your own right uh, we all know this this is why the Pro Act is incredibly important because it allows solidarity strikes um, uh, and things like that so these people can work together so um, if they were allowed to uh, kind of do this march inward that has actually happened before um in like the the first example is in like the 1930s um i have some information on that here um and i'll post all the again i'll post all this stuff in here this is a lot to read but suffice it to say basically uh they're obviously dealing with huge issues with with shipping and so they decided to do this march inward uh so what this march inward is ba- uh, basically is that they were going to uh, manufacturing hubs <clears throat> and also in some cases um, like sh- shipping companies such as um, the Teamsters and stuff like that um, and saying, listen, can you stand in solidarity with us at these warehouses uh, and also you know, basically ref- like, refuse to take these loads um, that, that are getting moved? And... Uh, once they said yes, then then the whole supply line starts to break down. And as we have seen with uh, a number of union efforts during the pandemic, uh, when profits are in danger and 
business people at, in the higher-ups feel that they're losing power, they'll oftentimes cave because they don't really have a, an option, especially this is a key time, especially when we talk about how uh, you know there's a, a labor shortage right now. It's hard to get scabs. Who are you going to get? You're going to have to pay a scab like 3.5 times hazard pay to get them to come do some like an Amazon job where you work like 60 hours a week in an unconditioned, an air conditioned or unheated warehouse uh, and get screamed at, have your phone taken away and possibly get killed by a tornado. Like you're not going to get many people to scab right now. <laughs> so this is the key time to do it uh, is during this time. So hopefully we see these sorts of solidarity movements growing, and they do do this uh, this March Inland, uh, as well as we see uh, various other solidarity strikes, which we've seen um, talks between Amazon workers and Teamsters as well. So if we can get all this kind of linked up, that would be good. Okay, um, so this is this this article, um, which I'll also post talks about uh obviously the title here is what if democrats fail to deliver the pro act for labor um which they probably will um uh the article basically goes on to talk about how um it's been very disappointing how the bill back better has basically been gutted um because the the the, the democrats including joe biden who called it his signature legislation uh failed to basically do anything about but the good thing is that it you could technically shove the PRO Act into the Build Back Better and then pass it um, at like, you know, half a trillion dollars or something. Um, it would obviously be greatly disappointing, but the PRO Act in and of itself passing would be a huge deal. Because like I said, that would um, reverse a lot of like Taft-Hartley legislation basically outlawing uh like we talked about earlier wildcat strikes which is basically when unions um either don't back the workers striking or don't give enough uh don't give enough notice for these workers striking uh solidarity strikes um which is ridiculous um you're not allowed to have solidarity with your fellow workers absurd um what happened to freedom of speech in the united states shouldn't you be able to walk off at any time and say fuck you i'm not doing my job um uh yeah so it it obviously goes way way deeper and but it, it could be placed into there and 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 that passing in and of itself would i think would be a, a really big shift and allow for a lot more organizing this is something i would greatly um encourage everyone to go read and i actually might go through this standalone at some point but this is the uh protecting the right to organize act obviously the pro act that we've been talking about but um brandon here goes through a really thoroughly and kind of breaks down um what each section of the law entails um if you're if you're interested in like the specific things um i know uh, labor organizing is not always the most exciting i think the on the ground organizing is really exciting um watching uh, people like Seth, who you can go listen to um, us talk about the Washington Carpenter strike um, on, on on the podcast before. Uh, go check that out. I will link that down below. Um, but listen, you know, just watching them out there just march the pavement and being, I mean, they were, it wasn't like it was all uh, excitement. It was frustration and, and, and emotion and anger at the fact that um, some of their union reps weren't 
weren't representing them perfectly. Um, but it's it's solidarity with your your brothers and sisters, um, and it's it's actually fighting to make sure that you're getting something better as opposed to uh, be you know bitching and moaning about it. And just being upset, which I understand, and I do sometimes, um, but it is nice to actually have some solidarity and to organize and uh, push for something better. Um, and uh, not always, but in a lot of cases, actually get something better, and uh, as opposed to, the, you know, just waiting uh, for the federal minimum wage to increase, which, hint, hint, hasn't happened in quite a quite a bit over a decade now. Um but this, again, like I said, breaks it down really well. Um, so if you're interested in any of the, the key provisions in that, go through it. I mean, you can, as always, you can control F that sucker and find any specific thing that you're looking for. Um, so this is more stuff uh, about what's going on uh, in the United States and even more reason why we need to do things like pass the PRO Act, raise the minimum wage. Um, and uh, some of that's going to come with, uh, we talk about a lot, ranked choice voting. Um, to make sure that we end this two-party monopoly and uh, maybe have some other options who are actually going to be uh, labor-first uh, people. But the child's tax credits, um, as you can see, they're going to expire at the end of the year, which is now. Um, it says if Congress doesn't act, Congress didn't act um, because they don't really care about you. They got their raise, and they continue to get their raise because... Uh, Listen, here, they make their own raises. <laughs> you hear that? They vote for their own raises. Isn't that crazy? Like you could do if you were in a union. At least you'd have a say. Um, so this is basically how the child tax credit works. So if you don't have children, you might not know. If you do have children, you probably do know because um, you were probably getting these benefits, or at least hopefully you were. Um, so the credit was increased from 3000 to $2,000, or from, yeah, to three thousand from two thousand, uh, with six hundred dollar bonus for kids under the age of six. So that would have made thirty six hundred um, per year in the year twenty twenty one. It was established monthly with monthly payments, um, which began in July and go through December. So ending in the next couple days here. Um, in deposits of three hundred dollars for children under the age of six and two hundred fifty for those six to seventeen. Uh, the second half. Uh, will come when the families file 2021 tax returns. Um, this might not sound like a lot if you're rich, uh, but to most people, I think you know that uh, you know uh, $300 a month for each kid, or even 250 for those that are six or older. Um, it makes a difference. It might mean having groceries or not, um, and you can see that here. So. Um, it says, continuing the enhanced benefit could have a significant impact on child poverty. And it already has. There, uh, I, can, I encourage people to go look out there because it's basically nearly cut child poverty in half for people that can get it. Um, so it says, continuing the enhanced benefit could have significant impact on child poverty. Keeping the credit beyond 2021 would reduce child poverty to about 8.4%, which is... That number in and of itself is disgusting for, again, one of the most opulently rich countries in the face of the world has ever seen, from 14.12. So falling roughly 40%. So we basically cut child poverty by 40%, and we're about, the, the U.S. Congress is about to go, well, cutting 
childhood poverty by 40%. Nah. Who cares? That's kind of what they're saying. Um, yeah. Um, like I said, like I do with everything, I'll, I'll, I'll put this below if you want to read more in depth. But that's what it means. And uh, you should be writing your representatives to tell them um, that they should keep this going. And if they don't, um, as always, you need to be careful what you say to some of these representatives. Um, but sternly, and uh, I would say aggressively in the sense of, of uh, telling them that this is BS and that um, it's unacceptable, um, tell them that if they, if they don't, you, you're going to push for... for to primary someone against them, um, uh, or you won't vote for them, or uh, and I do the same honestly for ranked choice voting. I hope people flood um, their their Congress people and senators with this sorts of stuff um, because it's it's incredibly important uh, that we get this because then it'll actually give you uh, realistic uh, alternatives to the uh, two sides of the same coin just covered in filth uh, and, and bribery that we have right now. Uh, this is just more information on the child tax credit which I'll put in because you might still be able to get some uh, money. And so for any parents in the U.S. that uh, might be worried about losing these benefits, um, there there is some ways to still potentially get um, some money um for your children, but it's obviously greatly reduced. Um, so you should uh, check that out, and I'll put this in there for anyone that uh, might have might be living in the United States, might have children uh, that can get that. Um, so here's a little more positive news. Try to I try to keep it not all negative uh, and angry, um, but the Boston Starbucks workers are in, so they're inspired by the Buffalo Union. Um, so Buffalo uh, a Buffalo Starbucks just won uh, unionization. It's the first one in the whole nation uh, to win uh, its union vote. This is really great to see, and the good thing is that it's inspiring other people. This is the same thing that we saw with Bessemer, Alabama, uh, the U the Amazon plant there, and actually um, they're probably going to get a revote at f over that Amazon plant in Bessemer, Alabama because of the union-busting practices that Amazon did. Um, and I talked about that at the time, um, things like installing... Uh, their own, you know, voting mailbox, which is completely ridiculous, and then putting cameras around it, um, clear uh, intimidation tactics there, uh, doing things like getting the city to change the stoplight speeds so workers would almost get run over when they were trying to hand out union material and basically not having enough time to actually hand out the material itself, um, other intimidation tactics, um, things that are technically legal, like um, these uh, coercive meetings that they put people into and basically talk about how they're, you know, well, you could buy a PS5 instead of getting union dues and uh, obviously not telling the other side of the story that actually if you got a union, uh, you pay about $10 a month and you could probably buy multiple PS5s with the raise in the, in the money you would get, uh, not to mention the benefits. And actually, you could maybe take a little bit of time off uh, to play that PS5 with your children. And, uh, uh, you know, maybe you'd have some decent health care. Uh, but they don't, I mean, they don't want to tell you that. That's the money out of their pockets into yours, so. 
you know, you know, folks, that's how it goes. Uh, but uh, this is good. This is this is inspiring. And uh, yeah, get with your get the, your fellow people. One thing I would tell you is is uh, when you if you do want to or- organize your workplace, make sure you know what you're doing. Get some. There's lots and lots of advice out there. Um, you could look to your uh, the local union that corresponds with um, your type of work and uh, find them. And there's so many people out there that just give are willing to give so much help um, and advice uh, that's already on the internet. It's uh, it's good stuff. So so grow. I hope this this sorts of uh, inspiration grows and more and more people start to grow, uh, join this. So this is this is what. I think these things explain it quite well. Um, I just have some easy uh, graphs for y'all that just make it as clear as as clear as it gets, right? Um, So this is percent growth in productivity and hourly compensation. So you can see that since about the 1970s, hourly compensation has essentially stagnated, and productivity per hour has gone up. It's continued to go up. So we see. Productivity keeps going up, uh, essentially at a ninety-degree angle. Um, uh, excuse me, not at a ninety-degree angle. Sorry, I haven't taken ge- geometry in a while. Forty-five degree angle, so it's going up here, just continue going up, and and you have hourly compensation, which goes up, goes up, goes up until the nineteen seventies, and then flatlines, and this starts around. About 1945. Um, so that, you know, that that seems unfair, right? Productivity keeps increasing. We're we're working harder than ever, and it's flatlining. Um, here's U.S. wages versus inflation. So this is a constant 2018 dollars. Uh, you basically have it's more or less the same the whole time, and then you see uh, inflation come up. Meets in about 2018. It just keeps going up. Whereas, as the 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 this is essentially showing the purchasing power of the average worker's dollar has um, not improved since about the 1970s. It went up slightly, up to about 1970, 1975, and then and then basically declined actually for a little bit. Went back up to what it a little bit less than it was before, and hasn't really changed. So it's uh it's kind of a joke. Um, this is why the you the the look, again you can look at this this right here. So this this ends in two thousand eighteen, twenty two point six five. This is what the minimum wage should be. This is what the minimum wage should be. So if you kept pace with inflation, so you can see in nineteen sixty four, two fifty, twenty two sixty five. This is what this is what the minimum wage should be. Just letting you know. I would say just make it twenty five and tie it to inflation. Give the give the workers a bonus. They built this it's the greatest country on earth, right? I don't live in America. <laughs> this most Americans say it's the greatest. A lot of Americans say it's the greatest country on earth, right? Give the workers a bonus. They build it. Well, Elon Musk didn't build the country. Fucking piece of shit. Um, here's another example. Look at this. This one's uh, union membership and. Uh, so in purple here we have union membership. So when a spike and then twenties, you know, there were some issues in the twenties if you're not aware. Uh, but then it pops back up 
and stays pretty decent above 30% until about the 1960s. Drops down 1975. We're a little below 30 and then off a cliff. And we're at about where we are today, which is about 11%. And you can see this is the share of money going to the top 10%. So look at this. When, the, when, union, when unions shoot up here on, around the, the 1930s, maybe, yeah, late 1930, mid to late 1930s, um, you see this explosion. And then, of course, you have the post-war boom and you have the continued um throughout until like i said about 1970 it's still keeping moderate pace and you can look there was a huge jump in the share of going to the top 10 percent uh right around this time which again hmm something happened at the end of the 1920s i don't remember what it was it was something i I don't know. I don't know, folks. If you can, yeah, maybe you know what happened at the end of the 1920s, early 1930s. <clears throat> but then you see this giant jump uh, in union membership, and then the it falls off, and it keeps about the same. So we have share of the income going to the top 10%, slightly over 30. Union membership, they're kind of entangled here. I contend if you saw union membership go over 50 or 60%, you've probably seen this share of the top, going to the top 10% drop maybe below this 20%, which is where I'd like it to be at. Your top 10%, you should get about 10, 15%. Um, and, um, but yeah, now we can see that, hmm, we're somewhere in that pre nine, late 1920s era. I wonder if there's something similar will happen where we'll just see the... Because if you could see the economy at this time, it did do a little bit of a crash. Anywho, um, we'll see. Hopefully, there's going to be more increase in immune membership and we won't need to destroy our economy uh, to figure that one out. And then here's the last one I'll show you. This is union membership and middle class income. So you can see this one starts about 19, this one starts in 1967, and you can see as middle class, uh, as union membership goes down, so does middle class uh, aggregate income. They both just drop basically hand in hand. So this should be, I think these graphs, if nothing else, let me, let's, let me just uh, recommend just go through these graphs. Uh, if you have someone who's who wants to be a, a debate lord about economics, if you don't want to, if you want to be lazy about it, just send them these graphs. I mean, I think obviously, I think you should learn about the whole history um, about labor exploitation in America, about union uh, history and things like that, because I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, whether it's it's the big union battles. Uh, with uh, uh, you know police uh, or uh, you know whether it's the Battle of Blair Mountain uh, striking coal miners in West Virginia, um, whether it's uh, black communists uh, in the Southeast, uh, places like Georgia, you know organizing uh, these tenant farmers, uh, you know 
it's it's a long and storied past that it seems like a lot of people have forgotten and it's you know a lot of it is less than 100 years old um or it is right around 100 years old so uh yeah i think we need to really remember our labor history and uh also we need to learn about how uh the labor laws have changed and how we need to change them change some of them back and just improve some of them that have never gotten changed so let's hope we can do that and um find some solidarity with 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 your with your other workers um i've been going pretty long here uh but i will uh i'll try to go through some of this pretty quick but we have we do have some uh taiwan stories i didn't want to just limit it to america um so there's a rule that the uh, the uh, Grand Justice is just the Council of Grand Justice is just ruled against uh, in Taiwan. This is a couple weeks ago, um, but they ruled that f- uh, essentially there was part of the criminal code that said um, if you were found um, to be like a basically a potential a, a habitual offender, a lot of this was for like gang gang sort of related behavior. Um, but that you could be forced to do three years of hard labor before serving your sentence. Um, the idea behind this was that um, you would get some skills out of it, um, but what I would contend is what a better policy would be uh, is not to make people into slaves. Um, what, what we should do, and this goes for America as well, where we, we pay people like uh, they were doing in California for a long time, where they would uh, pay them like a dollar a day to fight the forest fires caused by uh, consumerism and capitalism and climate change, uh, causing climate change, I should say. Um, but they would pay them a dollar a day, and then when they got out, they couldn't be a firefighter. So they got all these skills to be a firefighter. Uh, and then when they got back out, they were told they weren't allowed to be a firefighter after putting their um, you know, lives on the line to save other people's lives. They were told, nah, you can't keep doing this. Maybe you love it. Uh, maybe you're really good at it. Uh, maybe you've reformed, but a- as prison should do, right? The idea behind it is reform, right? Unless you're just a draconian, uh, which then I, I, that's a discussion we should have because uh, that's kind of sick to me. But um, anyway, uh, I think prison should rehabilitate people. And um, I think at the same time, it should teach them skills and it should compensate them for those skills because it should teach people. Um, maybe this works against the capitalist system of putting people in in prison, but uh, I think we should rehabilitate people and teach them skills and teach them how to be productive members of society. And I think we should um, uh, we should repay them as such. Now, this is not to say that uh, certain criminals don't need to pay their debt, uh, their debts. Maybe they owe uh, people money for damages or things like that. And uh, there might be people that never actually get out, but that doesn't mean you can't be a productive member of society within some sort of uh, confinement. Uh, however, we define that. Maybe you're you have something that we just we can't trust you anymore, um, but that doesn't mean we need to treat you uh, like a slave because that's disgusting and it's immoral. Um, so what we should do instead of forcing these people to do forced labor is that we should teach them actual skills um, and rehabilitate them. Thankfully, they got rid of this, but I hope that um, in place of this, they keep some sort of um, option to actually go into some sort of service, but they, they, they adequately compensate these people teach them the skills they need to, and then once they get out, they help them. Uh, um, not only that they've learned these skills, but they help find job placement for these people and to get out of these um, situations that so often pull people back in uh, to these 
um, repeat offender lifestyles um, because recidivism is a big problem in a lot of countries, especially in the United States. Um, is another thing we've t- I've, I've talked about at least, uh, and Ari and I have talked about a number of times, is that migrant workers um, uh, are having have huge issues here in Taiwan. Um, one of them here that they're talking about right now is uh, that migrant workers should be allowed to change employers. So a uh, coalition of migrant workers groups and migrant workers organizations said yesterday that they rallied, uh, as they rallied outside the Ministry of Labor in Taipei, urging the public to join them in a march next month. So this march is supposed to be happening on January 16th. Um, so if you happen to be in Taipei or close to Taipei or you have uh, time off on that day, please do try to get up there um, and join this uh, to show a little solidarity. Um, so it says that uh, migrant workers can only start a new job if they are uh, not at fault for losing their previous one, uh, such as their factory closes down, fishing boat sinks, uh, or when their employer dies uh, or loses the right to employ them after contravening the law. Okay, so that's ridiculous. Um, just like Taiwanese people, these people should be allowed to switch jobs um, whenever they want, as uh, a lot of these people in this article point out. Um, it's just it's it's absurd um, that they're not they're not treated. Um, like human beings, uh, they often are, have to pay and are indebted to uh, these brokers and this brokerage system. Which I listened to a talk, um, which I uh, tweeted about from New Bloom magazine, where they had uh, a number of people on, and they were talking about uh, essentially that. Um, which was interesting to me to hear was that um, actually in a lot of cases it, it can be uh, problematic if if the an, another system is not set up adequately to get rid of the broker system. But if there is a broker system, basically that the uh, uh, the payment, the onus of payment, should be put on the brokers themselves, which I totally agree with. The migrant workers should not be paying um, to come and work for substandard wages um, in Taiwan. It's gross, and uh, obviously. Um, you can see issues like here, like where people are being forced to work unpaid overtime. Um, this is, you know, people saying they were treated like an animal, um, forced to wear a mask at all times, except for when she was sleeping or taking a shower. Um, you know, and it goes on. It's, there's story after story of things like this. And, um, and unfortunately in a lot of cases, uh, these migrant workers are, um, uh, denied their humanity or just totally ignored. Um, which we shouldn't allow to continue. And another thing, which we can see in these next two articles that I will kind of try to combine a little bit, um, is that, um, well, actually these next three. So <clears throat> they're talking about from uh, migrant workers to immigrants. So this could be this could be a solution to Taiwan's uh, declining population. Uh, which Taiwan we've talked about again, uh, time, 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 time again, uh, is that Taiwan has a hu- one of the worst uh, fertility rates in the whole entire world. Um, one issue that we have said uh, that, or one way that might be able to deal with this issue, is to make it easier to immigrate uh, for people from all over. Um, uh, that includes people from the West, people from Southeast Asia, where a lot of these migrant workers. Um, coming from uh, immigrants like Ari and myself who aren't 
really immigrants, we do have it better than... It's interesting because there are definitely tiers, whereas Southeast Asian workers um, probably have it the worst because they're quote-unquote unskilled laborers. So they basically have no pathway to long-term residency. People like Westerners, like Ari and and myself, have pathways to um, residency, but not to citizenship, essentially. And then people like Hong Kongers uh, have a pathway to citizenship because they're, because it's this ethnocentrism. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting, but there should be, I, th- in my opinion, I think there should be an evening out of all those, uh, where, um, you know, whatever is decided, if it's after five years, you can get your permanent residency. And then after 10 years, um, provided you pass a citizenship test, um, you know, you learn a sufficient amount of, uh, Mandarin or uh, Hakka, Taiwanese, uh, an indigenous language, whatever they pick, um, and you can pass this test in, in, in said language, uh, showing proficiency in history and the laws and everything um, that you get your citizenship. I think that's that's a pretty fair way to do it as well, um, similar to how America does it. Now, there's issues with the American uh, immigration system, and we should talk about that, but... Uh, at least there's a pathway to citizenship for a lot of people, uh, whereas in Taiwan it's quite limited, and uh, I think in a lot of cases it's a detriment to itself, and it's very ironic because Taiwan often considers itself to be this big international um, country, uh, and in some ways it is, but it's certainly not in its populace as it's, you know, 90-whatever percent Taiwanese, <laughs> 99%, you know, whatever, uh, 96, I think, you know, Han ethnic group or whatever uh, ethnic label you want to put on it. But anyway, uh, and then here's here's another thing that uh, I wanted to talk about is kind of related to this is that there's there's a huge crackdown um, on uh, Taiwanese companies in China right now. And so I think another issue that needs to be addressed is potentially bringing in migrants um and turning them into immigrants, but also um, paying Taiwanese workers to to bring these jobs home. You have more jobs. You have if and if you make sure that you increase the wages for these jobs, and in uh, simultaneously, sorry, banging my watch on the on the microphone. Um, if you simultaneously bring down uh, the price of housing uh, around uh, the islands of Taiwan. Uh, if you do those at the same time, uh, you might have more people getting married and having kids. You might increase your fertil- fertility rate. Now, in most uh, developed economies, it's, it's always going to be slightly low, right? Because people end up uh, wanting to consume. And part of that is because uh, modern economies push this consumerism so hard. And so people just want to consume, consume, consume. And that takes away a lot of your income. But it is also a lot due to the fact that no one can purchase a house anymore, uh, just like in the United States, unless you live in the deep country. And it's, I would say it's even worse in most places in Taiwan, um, where it's not only is it basically, uh, impossible to buy a home realistically, you would have to pay, you know, uh, you know, for a hundred years or whatever to, to make it even slightly worth it. Um, uh, but it's it, it's on the incomes. It's just not. There's just no reason to do it. It's 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 absurd. Uh, so they need to figure that out. Yeah, put some. Yeah, put 
huge taxes on second and especially third, fourth homes. Um, I would say make it impossible, basically, to own them, essentially. Uh, but I, I just think that's one way. Anyway, um, moving quickly over here uh, to China. Uh, the Biden signed a bill to end imports of Chinese forced labor. This is mostly out of Xinjiang, um, and it's hard to say how well they're going to oversee this. Um, it's nice to see this, but it, it would also be nice if they would uh, push China to... Uh, make sure that they're paying their people a living wage. But then again, when America isn't paying their citizens a living wage, it's kind of hard to push for that. Um, this talk of a silent revolt brewing among youth workers in China, um, it's hard to say exactly how much this is true. Um, we have things like the, the, the lying flat movement, which is, uh, again, good to see, just like the great quote-unquote resignation, um, which another thing I'd like to say is that I think... Um, hopefully we're moving away from this great resignation. I think it's, if your job is killing you, uh, by all means, resign from it. But I hope that we move from that to more things like what we just saw, uh, like with Striketober, where people are actually striking, organizing. Um, because it's all well and good for you individually to quit, and I'm not going to begrudge anyone for quitting and maybe quitting in an epic way, which will make me smile on Twitter. But what makes me smile even more is when people go, when the boss says, you're showing up to work, and the person goes, okay, and then they show up to work with a bunch of, with, with a, you know, uh, a card, you know, and do card check, and, and organize a union, and go, yeah, I'll show up to work, motherfucker, I'll show up, I'll show up and start a fucking union, uh, and when they win, uh, when they fight and lose, it still makes me, uh, it makes me sad that they lost, obviously, but it does make me smile that they fucking fought hard, um, and hopefully gain some uh, solidarity and some, um, you know, some some experience from that. Um, but of course, it makes me the happiest when they win, and the bosses have to fucking eat crow. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that that's kind of where it goes, and I hope obviously that's where it goes in China, but it's obviously. Um, as difficult as it is in America, it also can be more difficult in China um, because it's it's even more top-down than it is in the United States, even with as much as controlled by the elites. Um, so, yeah, here's a couple. This is These are similar articles basically talking about how hopefully we're seeing kind of this uh, burgeoning uh, workers' movement around the world, um, and hopefully we can draw solidarity from uh to each other and, and share these labor organizing techniques and stuff. And again, this is especially hard when it comes to China because um, of the way that their uh, internet is regulated. But you can still contact people there and we can have these cultural exchanges, um, VPNs, uh, you know, messaging, messaging apps like Signal and things like that uh, where you could potentially uh, get through to people and talk to them. Um, and... Um, We've talked about this before as well as this 996 work, work culture um, <clears throat> where you're basically working uh, all the time. Um, and this is actually, I, as much as I like to dump on the CCP, um, so 996 is working from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, six days a week, so 996. Um, 
which is insane, right? But um, because Ari has talked about this a number of times, basically he, he thinks China is one of the few countries that actually wants to survive anymore um, in terms of COVID, but also in terms of this, where it seems like they actually um, might be pushing back on it now. We'll see. Um, they're encouraging people to have more babies, um, but Taiwan is as well. They say they're cutting back. They're trying to fight this uh, sort of 996 work, work culture. We'll see if they really do because they also really like um, posting these uh, like uh, uh, insane GDP numbers every year, which I would argue are kind of made up anyway, but um, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if they continue to push for it. Uh, I hope they do. This is this is from over a month ago too. So, um, I'll, I'll hopefully with this next one, uh, this next next week on Wednesday when I do the next worker Wednesday, which I'm hoping to make kind of a regular thing, um, we can come with some maybe some if there are any updates on that. Um, and um, yeah, this is just another yet another article. This is a po- another podcast that you can listen to. Obviously. Um, not as good as our podcast, but it is a, it is a quick little rundown, 30 minutes, uh, that you can, you can listen to where they talk a little bit about this, um, over on Bloomberg, which I don't, uh, suggest to people too often because they got that, uh, ad block, they got that, uh, paywall, but anyway, they do, they do, they have good journalists there, I'm not here to dump on all Bloomberg journalists, uh, just like anywhere else, but um, I'm th- this. This is kind of arguing the opposite, saying that she's she's not happy with uh, Xi Jinping. That is not she S H E X I she um, is not happy with the uh, lie flat movement, which is uh, we've also talked about in the podcast. Is a tongue ping, um, basically like to chill. Like in America, if you're online, you might know like touch grass. It's just like just chill, dude. Like. Get, it's kind of an anti nine nine six type movement. Um, so again, like I said, I'm doing we're doing a podcast tomorrow, hopefully. So I don't want to go on too long, um, but that's kind of the rundown. And this was kind of a wonky first week. I had so much stuff that I wanted to cover. Uh, so sorry if that was a little stilted. Um, but yeah, there's so much stuff. I kind of wanted to get like a big broad baseline. Um, and talk about everything, but not go too deep. And then some stuff I got sidetracked on. But <laughs> labor news, I always get, I always get tweaked on. I, I've done so many of these updates where I've like done really good about not cursing. And then this one, of course, like within the first ten minutes, I was like, "Fuck this shit, stupid fucking bosses." <laughs> so definitely get demonetized for that because you know I'm not gonna go back and put beeps in a video. Um, I do it for the pod sometimes, but not for this. Anywho, <laughs> you know how we do. Anyway, so I already plugged this pod. This is I, I think this is a fun pod. And we have another one here um, right before this one. Oh, it's actually, yeah, I already posted too much stuff. It's actually back. So you got all this good stuff. Um, so you can see uh, Ari's got a bunch of new uh, articles up. So go check those out. Oh, this one. We had a broken audio one, but it is, you know, things, these things happen. It was just one. Um, we had some busted drivers in our, our PC, but yeah. So if you come over here, you can, uh, you see like these fancy dresses. If you're into dresses, click on them. Um, please just turn off your ad block. And then if you see advertising that interests you, just
just click on them. I'm thinking about advertising our podcast in China here. <laughs> uh, and then if you, this is obviously free, and so is like, you can go in, um, and when you go into some of the, like some of these articles, you can just go, like, go ahead and just share them um, with other people. I got like all the links and stuff um, on here. Uh, these are obviously the links for the pod, which I'll put like, just like here. Um, but, you can obviously just just copy and paste uh, and share it with people and share via word of mouth. That also really helps us. Uh, and the other thing is, if you do actually have some cash, um, you can you can join um, our Patreon. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash free china post. And um, for as little as three dollars a month, you can really support us, and it makes a huge difference to us. And um, yeah, we do appreciate it. But yeah, even if you just spread via word of mouth, you go to or go to iTunes and give us a five star rate and review. Um, we love that too. It helps us with the algorithms. Everything's about algorithms now, for fuck's sake. Um, so do that. But uh, you can help us with the word of mouth algorithms too, and that's pretty sick as well. So um, love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. And you know that. Uh, Workers are obviously the kings, but also FCP. Zoida.